Greetings and thanks for engaging with this Sunday morning teaching. Heads up that this is the first of a series of very important teachings laying the foundations for where we believe Jesus is taking Moran Park in the days ahead. In other words, if you want to know where Moran Park is headed, please continue to tune into these teachings in the weeks to come. Whether you listen Sunday morning in person or online, or whether you follow up online or via podcast later on in the week, please stay engaged. We're thrilled about where God is taking us. And as always, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to ask and follow up with any of the elders or staff. Peace. As you're getting back to your seat, one quick announcement before we uh, get in the Word this morning is we're talking and praying about um, having children's ministry again on Sunday mornings. And so um, we just need to know uh, kind of what we're working with. And so if God's talking in your heart, you have any interest uh, to serve in children's ministry, um, I'm going to ask that after their time together this morning that you would, uh, you can sign up. There's a sheet on the half wall and up front here. You can just fill out your contact information and we'll get in touch with you. It doesn't like commit you to anything. It's just for some more information. We're trying to get a pulse on, hey, what, what kind of, uh, what, what's God stirring to help walk with our kids. So again, that's available after the service if God's talking in your heart. Again, don't, we don't want you to do anything out of guilt or obligation, but ask the Lord if he wants you to serve a children's ministry. And if so, sign on up. Okay, before I get into the word this morning, I, I, got, uh, I, got, like, I got two questions. First question is, and this is again, it's going to require some participation. Um, what makes for a successful restaurant? I remember, I gotta, you got to go back a number of months, right? Until you've been to one. All right, what makes for a successful, what was that? Food. Staff who enjoy their job. That's a good one. Being open. That's, that helps. Good management. Good atmosphere. Staff. Like having staff? That helps. I guess unless it's like a buffet, right? Oh, goodness, do I miss a good buffet. Oof. What else? What makes a successful restaurant? Cleanliness. Amen. Good customer service. Large servings. <laughs> Joe, I'm not even surprised that comes from you. Cheap prices? Is that, was, you, was that you, Amy Joe? Did you say cheap prices? Okay, I was, I was gonna say that's quite a combo. Large quantity with cheap prices. Good, good bang for your buck, that's right. Dollar menu, amen, amen. <laughs> Anything else? Chick-fil-A. <laughs> and that's fun. That's all you need to say, right? Like, that just captures so much. Chick-fil-A. Children's menu. That's a good one. Lots of customers seated in your space, says a restaurant owner. Right on. Anything else? What makes a successful restaurant? Those are good ones. Social and bodily sustenance. Right on. There was one more over here. Someone's yelling. What's that? The Lord. There you go. All right. Those are great things. Those would make for a very successful restaurant. Um, okay. Here's, here's the next question. What makes for a successful family? Openness. Honesty. Love. You guys are like on the same rhythms here. This is pretty good. 
Grace? Yeah, that's, that's it. Trust? Oh, yeah, communication. That's big. Fun. That's right. Fun. I like that. Joy. What was that? Jesus. That does help. Pets? Did someone say pets? That's, uh, all right. I'll let that slide. Let us. Uh, amen. Amen. But for some, as pets are a big deal. That's right. It makes it more joyful, more fun in the family. Absolutely. What was that one? Another one? The one and others. Love one another. Honor one another. Bear with one another. Unconditional love. What was it? Praying together. Love it. Time together. That's right. It's hard to be a successful family if you're not spending the time together. Respect. Ooh. Silliness. Silliness. What was that? Spending time with family? Yeah, you got to spend the time. Right one, right one, my man. Grandkids? Says a, says a grandmother, right? <laughs> work. What, what does that mean? Like work and what we got? What's that? It takes work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to work for it. It doesn't come easy. You got to put in the effort and the work. Right on. Compassion. Communication. What was that, Hawa? Being a good example to the, to the other ones. Right on. Prayer. Do we have one over here? Acceptance. Forgiveness. That's a big one. Selflessness. Ooh, that's a oh yeah. What was that? Honesty. Love that one. All right. I mean, we could go on and on, especially the family one. It's, isn't it amazing, like, what it takes to be a good family, a successful family? All right. Okay, I guess I, I do have two more quick questions. What is the goal of a restaurant? Serve the customer. Profit. I mean, you could have a lot of sub uh, other goals, but at the end of the day, if you don't make money, you're not going to stay open. You can't do anything else. Bottom line is, it's the point of a restaurant to stay open, to make money, pay staff, use it for whatever. But that's the goal of a restaurant, is to make money. Therefore, right, what you do is you try to be as efficient as possible to cut costs as much as you can to provide the best product and make the most money to do, to do good, right? It's not always, doesn't have to be selfish, uh, in motive, it can be a good motive, but ultimately you, you've got to be efficient and do what's best to make money to stay open. Okay, what's the goal of family? What is it? Pride? Thrive, thrive, thrive. Community, someone to take care of you. Right on. Make disciples. Glorify God. I would say, I mean, a lot of those capture the heart of what it means to uh, have the purpose of family. But even if you think about it, separate from, like, even Christian families, God instilled in uh, all of creation, all of humanity, back in Genesis chapter 1, he, he gave man and woman this, this call, this invitation, this mandate, this commission to be fruitful and multiply, 
And the, the goal is like, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to grow into maturity. I want you to be useful. I want you to till the earth. I want you to work the land and make it, make it, make it useful. And then I want you to multiply. I want you to have more kids and so that the, the earth is filled. Um, be fruitful and multiply. And I think we see that even in our own society, even apart from the Lord, we want children to grow up to leave the house, right? To contribute to society, to grow up. To reproduce, to have grandbabies, right? If God so wills. And, and so that, that's they'd be fruitful and multiply. You see, it's interesting because the word paints the picture of what the church is called to be. And one of the main images that you see throughout Scripture where the church is called to be is the image of family. But you know what's interesting is I think part of our culture it thrives on efficiency and productivity and independence that that sometimes gets lost or the idea of business starts creeping into the church and we start measuring success on what, bi what business principles are rather than what family principles are. And those two, those two lists that you guys gave of what makes for a successful family versus what makes for a su successful business are radically different. Am I right? And I think what God is asking us to as a church is to say, what does it look like to actually be family, to live as family? to operate as family, to structure ourselves as family, to think of ourselves as family. I mean, I think that's the thing over the next number of weeks I, I want to unfold and unpack for us is what does this actually look like, not just in theory, but in practice and practicality of us living together as family because family isn't like a secondary thought. The idea of family, um, again, is instilled in creation, but actually God's heart for family and us to be part of his family is something that existed before the foundation of the world. Take a peek at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I get this. Before the earth was created... Before God formed the heavens and the earth and the stars and everything, man and woman, before he created that, he chose us, he predestined us, he had our destiny for us before the foundations of the world that we would be adopted into his family and that we would be called sons and, God, sons and daughters of God. That we would be set apart for his purposes. That we would be brought into this intimate relationship with him and experience all the uh, inheritance of heaven as sons and daughters. This idea of family isn't second, secondary. This idea of us being part of the family of God was from before the foundation of the world. Do you hear me? I don't know. I think that's awesome. You're all like, okay, that's cool. Awesome. Because God's goal for you just wasn't to save you from hell. God's goal for you wasn't just to make you a nice person. God's goal for you wasn't just to do good things and or just get to heaven. God's goal for you was to adopt you and bring you into his family and experience the fullness of family with God and with one another. 
John 1, 12 through 13 talks about how we become part of this family. John 1, 12 through 13 says, But to all who did receive him, that's Jesus, for all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, Jesus' name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but God. So we become part of the family of God, not because we are born into a physical family, but the reason or the way that we are born into the family of God is by God's will. He causes us to be reborn by his spirit and having a spiritual birth that's now part of a spiritual family, not, not, not in terms of a physical family. It is the spiritual work of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be reborn and causes us to be part of the family of God, which then is what we see takes place in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. And if heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So when we, when we are born again into this new family of God, our Holy, the Holy Spirit testifies to our spirit that we now have this relationship with God that's not some distant being out there, but we have the opportunity and the privilege to call him Daddy. I, listen, I, I understand this image of family is so jacked up for a lot of us that it's hard to understand the church, the family of God being a family, and let alone God being our father. Because I, I know when I say, God's our father, you think about your own father who is absent. You think about your own dad who abused you. You think about your own dad who you never knew. You think about your own dad who was like maybe physically present, but not emotionally present. Maybe you think about, even like, I had a great dad, awesome. But still there was faults and failures with my dad because he was human. And even if you had the best dad in the world, there's still shortcomings when it compares to the eternal, perfect, heavenly father who is perfectly good, who is perfectly kind, who is perfectly forgiving, who is perfectly accepting, who doesn't have, like sometimes our earthly fathers, their, their love for us rose or fell based on our performance and behavior. The heavenly father, when we're accepted into his family, his love for us does not change based on how we produce or perform on a particular day. That's awesome. So then God's asking us to, he wants to recapture our heart for what it means to be part of his family where he is our dad that we say, we get to cry out to him, Abba, Father, um, and are part of his family. Look at Romans 8, uh, 8, 8, 29. For those whom he foreknew, that means he knew ahead of time, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, meaning he gave their, their destiny to, to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Um, Jesus is the Father's only begotten son, as it says in John 3.16, the only one the only begotten form from him that comes from him, but now we come through, uh, become sons and daughters through adoption as well. 
that we are now part of the family of God, but the purpose is that we're brought into the family of God, and so it says here that we are predestined to be conformed in the image of the Son, that we might grow up into maturity to look like our older brother Jesus so that the character and nature and the glory of God may shine throughout all of creation through us, through God at work within us, so that Jesus wouldn't be an only child, but that we would be adopted a part of the family as well, and that the glory and the splendor of our Father would fill the earth. I mean, you see this with, um, you see this with Jesus. Jesus, I think it says this in John, it talks about Jesus is the Son, doesn't do what the Son wills. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Jesus walks in, in a conscious effort to, to live in a way that displays the, the character, the heart, the love uh, of the Father. That's his job as the Son, is to represent the Father. And I think that's our invitation as well, that when we become sons, God now shines through us to display to the world the Father's character, his heart, as we grow into greater maturity. It says this in 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I love that, right? It's not, and we will be. It's, and so we are. That is a fact. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are a child of God. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be like has not yet appeared. But what we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I think sometimes you feel like I'm not doing a good job of being a child. I feel like I'm screwing up. You know, I don't, I don't know if you see this with your, with your kids. Like, again, when we start thinking about the family of God being very uh, about efficiency and about like just, uh, yeah, efficiency is probably the best, best route to take. We don't have a lot of grace for mistakes. Right? If you, if you mess up at a restaurant, you're like, uh, you're fired. Or if you go to a restaurant, it's not good. You're just going to bail and go somewhere else. There's just not a lot of grace for mistakes. But when we understand that we're a family and we're a child of God, that there is the reality of our identity is that we are children and that identity is not going to be taken away. But as children, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to screw up. You're going to do dumb stuff. But the point is, is that our identity as children, that we will grow into maturity, that the work that God has begun in us, he will see it to completion. And it's not going to be total maturity until it says that we see him face to face and we behold him, and then we will be transformed into the fullness of our older brother, Jesus. I don't know about you, but that, that gives me a ton of hope. Because think about it, when raising kids, I wish it was the case. If like I sit my boys down, my three boys, I'm like, okay, guys. We need to work on listening the first time you're asked to do something. Got it? Yes, Dad. Right? All right. Three minutes later. Hey, Eli, would you mind doing this? Caleb, would you do this? Jonah, huh, what? Uh, I'm a bit, right? It's not this perfectly efficient growing up and to the right type of deal as a family. I mean, that's, I think about that's why Paul writes the letters that he writes, especially to, to the church in Corinth. He's like, all right, you're the family of God. And then he's writing all these things like, oh, my gosh, you kids are getting screwy over here. And he doesn't say, you're no longer a child. He, does, he doesn't say, try harder to be a kid. He's like, no, this is who you are. Come on, let me spur you on into greater maturity of what it means to be family together and stop doing this and start doing this and step into these things. 
This idea is family is God's heart for us, God's purpose for us, God's goal for us as family is that we would grow up into greater maturity in him, Jesus, who is the head. That we would be a family who is on mission together. Being about the father's business just like Jesus was. Sometimes I think if we wrap our mind around the idea of us being family together, our family, a child of God. If we think I'm a child of God, I think sometimes we inadvertently slip into this idea of uh, we start thinking that we're an only child. Listen, there, there are no only children. Is that the way you say it? Only child? Only. My grammar is terrible. Thank you. Thank you for your grace, right? We're, there's no only children in the family of God. You're brought in. It's not just you and Jesus when you're saved. You're brought into the family of God with brothers and sisters. That's what that language is used throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament. Brothers and sisters. It, Jesus even says this in Matthew 12, 50. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. See, you are now part of my family if you follow, follow me. And, and this is some powerful imagery of how we relate to one another in 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. It says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. I'm going to read that one again. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. It is true that our physical families, whether through birth, through adoption, through fostering, whatever that may be, our physical families are an invitation to be a representation of, of God's heavenly family. But when we are born again into this spiritual family, it's not just about my own physical family. It's now about functioning as a broader, extended family. It's now part of functioning as the family of God. And he, Paul here starts laying out some specific ways that we're to view each other and treat one another. That we see the older men and women in our midst as not old fuddy-duddies, but as people to be respected and revered with honor and treated as mothers and fathers. That younger people in the faith, even younger people age-wise, in the family of God, aren't to be disqualified, aren't to be pushed aside, but they're to be treated as brothers and sisters. Like, what would that look like? And I see this in part, I think the Lord's just saying, as we've grown and been a family, what does it look like to continue to grow in these things where we operate as a family, where as a family, everyone has a role to play, everyone contributes, everyone uses their gifts, everyone steps in and plays their part for the family to be able to function successfully. That's why I train my kids up to help cook. I train my kids up to help unload the dishwasher. My wife, praise the Lord, helps do, uh, does most of that, but like, it's, it's that thing. We want to train our kids. You have a part to play. You're part of this family. There's no passive members in my family. There's no passive members in the family of God. That I don't care if you're new in faith or old in faith, you have something to contribute. That every time, right, you send your kids to go play together, it's about three minutes later that a fight breaks out. And how often we say, you guys need to, you need to work it out. You need to talk about it. You need to figure this out. 
You need, to, you need to give up sometimes your own personal preferences or your desires to be in control. You need to work it out and, and give up your preferences for one another. What if that's the way we operate as a family of God, saying, hey, you're my brother, you're my sister, I'm not going to bail on you, I'm stuck with you, but sometimes that means I have to give up what I want for the sake of what you want. Sometimes you're going to give up what you want for the sake of what I want. And we're going to work these things out. And we step on each other's toes, we're going to be honest. Like someone said that, we're going to have honest, we're going to have communication, we're going to forgive. All those things that you mentioned earlier for successful family, that is not just about a physical family, those are the same principles that apply to a spiritual family as well. How radical would that be in a world that sees people just walk away when it's difficult, even in terms of a, a marriage or family? And again, I'm not saying that to condemn you, but what would it actually look like if we were a radical spiritual family that people looked at us and saw when they fight, they work through it. When they offend each other, they forgive. They lay down their lives. They lay down their preferences. They all have a place to use their gifts. They all have a place to contribute. What an incredible family that they have together. What would it look like, right, for our older men and women of the faith to take, along, take in the younger and say, I see this gift in you. I see this calling in you. I see what God's doing in you. And for the young people to go, you believe in me, what? To not just say, I'm going to teach you a couple of facts, but I'm going to invite you into my life. I'm going to show you what it is by inviting you into relationship with me, not just pass on facts and figures, but to pass on intimacy and wisdom. Do you know how many young people crave for that? They hear all the time in a world of like, you're not good enough, you have nothing to contribute, you're a joke, you're a failure, you got to do X, Y, and Z to simply have someone that's been walking with the Lord a long time to say, I believe in you, I believe you have what it takes to the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. For a spiritually mature to help protect against false teaching, to help Guard against crazy things that want to creep up in the family of God. For mothers, as it says in, I don't know, it's, it's, some of you may know where this is, somewhere in the New Testament, I'm blanking where, where it talks about moms, I, um, older women teaching the younger how to be godly wives and godly, godly mothers. You know how, how much younger moms and dads want to simply learn from those who have gone before us, how to disciple our kids. We can read books all day long, I'll tell you what. There's nothing like you walking with us, teaching us how to do it. Some of you are doing this so, so incredibly well. I'd say thank you, keep going. I think the Lord's saying, as we've sown seeds in this, to keep, keep, keep going, keep pressing in. Someone said it earlier, a couple of you just talking about like being, oh, John, being silly together. Julie, I think you said it, being, having fun together. And I think there's something, that aspect, too, of like, I think God wants to recapture with us the spiritual family aspect of having smaller spiritual families, but also having extended spiritual family time, like, like this, an extended spiritual family time, but also where there's these or, organized times where we purposely gather together around certain things. Like in my family, we have, um, we, we have a spiritual family gathering on, on Monday nights. We have dinner as a family most nights together. There's just like regular rhythms that we have, but there's also this spontaneous fun where we play capture the flag. We, we wrestle, and we wrestle, and we wrestle, right? Those aren't planned times. Like, okay, at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, we'll have a wrestling time, and I'll body slam you. And it's like, right now, you're getting pile drive. That's what, right? It's a, 
But like, what if we lived in such proximity to one another that we saw, like, we're, we're family, and it's just not about gathering in the same room together, but it's about spurring one another on in greater maturity, in that we function in such a way that, like, we, we would we'd build each other up. We'd be honest when we're hurt, right? We would, we'd be honest when we see each other, someone stumbling or sinning, but we'd do it in such a way that was just filled with grace and compassion and longevity. I've been thinking a lot about um, just the power of a spiritual family. Because for a lot of us, maybe again, we didn't have great families. And the only way that we're going to understand what family is is by experiencing it and encountering it. But I think about a world that is hurting and broken and longing to simply be brought in and accepted that's longing to be loved, that's longing to be built into, that's longing to be built up, that's longing to be, have life spoken, and that's longing to say, I have a place to belong, I have something to contribute, I have something to give. Uh, I think our, our world longs for the family that the Bible portrays, and I think he's inviting us into it. And I also think I'm going to talk about this more next week. Um, is what, what does family look like when we're on mission together, inviting others to participate in this family, how might our neighborhoods change? How might our city change if we actually lived as family together where people down the street look at us and you're like, you guys are a bunch of freaks together, and that's a freak show I want to be a part of. <laughs> but for me, one of the convicting questions that I've had to wrestle with this week, and I'm still wrestling with this, is am I living in such a way with my physical family, and even as the, with the family of God, that I'm displaying a compelling case of what someone would want to be a part of if they were to walk away from everything of this world. Um, I think you see this a lot around the world, is when people come to faith in Jesus to become part of the family of God, they're kicked out of their physical families. But the case of knowing God as their father and being part of the family of God is so compelling that they're willing to walk away from everything and lose everything for the sake of gaining that. What might that look like for us? I believe it's as we press into being family together, and we'll talk about over the next weeks of how does that shift and how does that change and what looks different, what looks the same, but how do we press into being the family of God? I believe as we do that, as we grow in that, we are going to see our city change and we're going to see our country change. But it's only be power, it's only be made possible through the Holy Spirit. So that's what I pray for now. That God would continue to empower us. God, I ask that you give us, continue to give us revelation through your Holy Spirit that we are, uh, we're not like a business. We're stuck with each other. But as we're stuck to one another, God, I pray that you would help us grow through the power of your Holy Spirit into greater Christ-likeness, that you would help us see the good in one another and spur each other on. God, I pray that you would help us understand our place that we play in the family. God, I, help, I pray against the lie to those that say, I don't belong, to the lie that says I'm not good enough, to the lie that says I... I I'm a part of the family of God, but I have to sit in the corner because I'm, I'm a piece of junk. We pray against that lie. We bind it. And we command it to go in Jesus' name. For those that are still enslaved to the father of lies, for those that are part of Satan is still their father, God, and being lied to that this is as good as it gets, God, I pray that you bring freedom, that you bring revelation this morning, that they are invited to be part of your family, God, of your unconditional grace and your unconditional love, God. 
God, would you forgive us for those times where we operate much more like a business and we treat people more like customers or more like uh, a, a restaurant staff rather than brothers and sisters? God, I repent of those times where I've put efficiency and outcomes above people. where I've made it just about getting stuff done and getting even your work done, but I've done it at the expense of people. Thank you, God, that you've adopted us in your family. Now would you give us vision to see each other as brothers and sisters and the call for us to operate and function and look like a family. And as screwed up as we are a lot of days and as much as we do dumb stuff, God, that we would display what a family looks like, working through hard things, working through mistakes, working through uh, foolishness, working through uh, all sorts of things, God that through your Holy Spirit that you would empower us to walk as family together. And God, over these next, next few weeks here as we lay out practically what does some of this stuff look like, practically how do we live into this as a church together, what, what does it look like to arrange ourselves more as family, to function more as family, to spur each other on as family, God, I pray that you continue to lead those steps and open our hearts to hear from you about what you want this to look like and how we do it. But today, God, I pray before we move any further in this that you would give us a fresh revelation that you're our dad and that you're part of, we're part of your family and that these are our brothers and sisters. God, for those that have just negative association with family, would you give them a fresh hope of what family can be? And maybe it'll never happen in the physical, God, but the hope that it does happen in the spiritual. We praise you. We thank you. We pray this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. I'm going to invite Daniel and the crew back up, and we're going to worship some more together. Is that cool, Daniel? Good.